Bollywood superstar Deepika Padukone's The Live Love Laugh Foundation is in news lately. They did a survey of 4000 people in 8 cities in India and what they found is rather alarming. Out of these 4000 people, 47% actually admitted to being highly judgmental of people perceived as having a mental illness. It's a well-known fact that mental health does carry a lot of stigma still in our country. Although a lot of work is being done in urban setups, there are psychiatrists, psychologists and NGOs who are coming together to work in the sector, but it is still a very very small community. Today in my podcast, I have Dr. Kamna Chibber who joins me from Fortis. Mind games. Mind games. Mind games. With Anandita Chatterjee. Kamna, we were talking about um, Gabriel Marquez, who wrote the book Thousand Years of Solitude, and he also wrote a book which was very close to my heart. I read it, I think, around when I was about sixteen, seventeen. Nobody writes to the postman. Mm-hmm. It's like the postman delivers um, letters to everyone, mm-hmm. but who writes to the postman? And that sort of um, triggered a thought in my head. Where do therapists go for therapy? So you are a therapist. You're a clinical mm-hmm. psychologist. Where do you go? in case you're having a breakdown uh so i think that's a slightly tricky slightly difficult question to answer um i think one of the foremost uh, areas for most therapists when they are uh, getting trained as well to be therapists i think uh, most of us undergo a lot of supervision um to also understand the techniques but besides that to also undergo a lot of times our own therapy uh so that you can work through the, a lot of the issues that you may have had a lot of the challenges that you may have had in the past and i think somewhere that entire exercise which happens over a period of months and years uh keeps you pretty grounded um uh, in most ways but i think the best space that we perhaps today have for our own selves is the community that we have created um you know whether it is with our colleagues whether it is with senior supervising uh, therapists we all uh, tend to seek a lot of support a lot of inputs guidance uh from uh, a lot of the seniors within the field or even within our own peer groups um i think that's where we all end up going you know we tend to support each other very very substantially through the course of our interaction with a lot of different clients that we do who do we do work with Kamna I work with a lot of young adults and mm-hmm. I think my focus of work and my interest in mental health really stems from there because I see a lot of my young colleagues and as young as 21 22 year old um suffering mm-hmm. in many ways than one my question is can you give me some statistics as far as India is concerned mm-hmm. and the kind of t- people turn out you see at mm-hmm. Fortis um are young people seeking out therapy mm-hmm. are young people seeking out psychologist mm-hmm. and psychiatrist mm-hmm. and getting the mental health or are they aware enough mm-hmm. that there should be so i think uh, one it will be very hard to give you a very uh, concrete statistic to say that you know this is the number of people who are seeking help or who are not seeking help at this point in time uh, in fact the last survey which was done on mental health services was in 2015 16 which was done by nimhans in bangalore uh, post that there hasn't been uh, any substantive survey to say that you know okay this is what the utilization of mental health services is so it will be very difficult to uh, you know look at that specifically um trying to answer your question nevertheless uh, do we see a lot of young people who seek mental health support yes that's a resounding yes uh, i think there is a much larger awareness among the younger population to say that you know what i may be struggling with something and i need to find a way to work through it i think one of the key roles um, uh, is being played by the school system 
Really? Uh, I thought there's not in fact yesterday I was mm-hmm. talking to a close friend of mine and I said you know when we were growing up sex education in school was mm-hmm. a big sort of fat topic and there was a lot of work being done mm-hmm. at school level and I was thinking mm-hmm. you know in the advocacy space if something needs to change it mm-hmm. is at you know when you're hitting adolescence the mm-hmm. 12 13 14 that's where the combination of well-being right and uh, you know it's, it's a sort of encompassing thought now the so mm. physical and mental mm. well-being should be taught in school so it's very very heartening to know that you are getting people come to your doorstep mm-hmm. at your clinic because there is awareness at the school level please tell me more about it so i think the emphasis that is being laid within the schools is a lot on life skills so you know how do you work with the younger population to ensure that they have the skills that are required throughout their life the lifespan to ensure that they're able to cope with different kind of stresses which are going to come their way and uh, in fact you'd be surprised with the number of schools who do put a lot of emphasis on this aspect in fact we ourselves uh, at the department of mental health at fortis conduct numerous workshops through the course of the year not just in delhi uh, you know we conducted across all our uh, you know all the cities where fortis is present which is primarily about 9 or 10 cities uh, that we are looking at and there is comprehensive coverage of life skills education within schools and uh, they tend to focus a lot on encouraging students to talk about mental health and this is a shifting paradigm uh, it's not something I, i agree with you it's not something that was there when you know we were in school perhaps um, you know at that time school counselors were a very rare entity sure, absolutely the yeah. within the system and then. it was more of career counseling do yes. you realize yes, not yes. even just counseling yeah. it was like hardcore career what are you mm. going to do with your life now right and that has shifted uh, because uh, there have been some good judgments by the cbsc which has been enforcing uh, encouraging uh, schools to ensure that you know there is a school counselor who's available not just one school counselor but you know different counselors for different levels or different wings within the school system they're being extremely proactive very engaged with the students i think the parents have also changed their stances the media does such a large role in creating that kind of awareness so you know when you have a lot of films coming out or you know a lot of uh, uh, celebrities coming out talking about mental health sharing their experiences i think it's encouraging the young people to say that you know what i'm going to embrace mental health i'm going to ask you this question mm-hmm. which has intrigued me dipika padukone coming out mm. and a lot of international celebrities coming out talking about their bipolarity anxiety attacks and depression how much of that is a urban phenomena and how much of that is really affecting people as you said is it really motivating people to accept their issues their illness and then reach out and mm-hmm. seek help i think the one thing it is doing is it is clearing a lot of misconceptions and myths because a lot of people would believe that you know if i come from a privileged background if i have all sorts of support that i cannot suffer from a mental health yeah, dep- condition uh, yeah but at the same time isn't it that people also say that depression is a fad disease for the rich <laughs> they say it but that's not the truth sure of you course know, not uh, absolutely it's not really the truth uh, uh mental health illnesses can affect any individual coming from any segment of the society and mental health illnesses do occur primarily on account of biological reasons uh, there are neurotransmitter imbalances which are implicated in the causation of a disorder and yes it gets facilitated by social and psychological factors uh, that's a given but um i think a lot of these revelations have been uh, encouraging a lot of people to say that it is okay if i am struggling with something i don't need to run away from that it's not a big stigma it's not something which is wrong uh, there's not something wrong with me per se i'm not a weak individual um it does not say anything negative about me as a person to be having this kind of a condition and i think it really helps for people to you know step out and say that and acknowledge that you know yes i am struggling and simultaneously that there is treatment 
I think which is very very important because everyone is not focusing just on the fact that you know there is this illness that I had. They're also sure. saying that there is this treatment. Go out there, talk to the experts, meet the psychiatrists, meet the psychologists. You know, you will be able to find a solution, and that help-seeking behavior has gotten encouraged undoubtedly. But. a lot of it in the urban market because yes. if if as you said that you know um, all these mental health issues most of them have the root in biology mm. and of course it's accentuated by social conditioning and pressure and stuff but do you also feel that the real work at the grassroots level is still not happening see honestly speaking if you were to look at the statistics about the number of mental health practitioners there is a huge deficit India has approximately say about 5000 psychiatrists who registered with the uh, with the Indian uh, psychiatric all? association in a yes. country this big yes 5000 yes and france which is the state which is the size of uttar pradesh yeah. has about 10000 psychiatrists so that's the disparity. so we have woken up pretty late we have woken up pretty late these have not been fields which we have been focusing on energies on so if you're looking at psychiatry which still had a much broader acceptance yes. previously psychology is way behind Yes right and so the shortage of experts that we're looking at is very very large automatically it's 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 a given that the urban areas end up having a larger concentration of experts available as you keep on moving away from the urban areas away from the metropolitan areas automatically the rural areas don't have enough experts which is why it becomes so important that you need to build a lot of strong strategic collaborations uh, work with the anganwadi workers yes. you know work with the ngos who have social workers who are going into the community you know train them to be able to at least identify uh, you know uh, work with say the general practitioners to encourage them to be able to at least take care of some of the basic mental health conditions where maybe an absolutely trained expert may not be required at least you can work with some things uh, get rid of some of the problems uh, that is what we absolutely need right now in the rural segment at least kamna i'll bring you back from uh, grassroots back to corporate and mm-hmm. i have been actually lobbying with my own company to set up some sort of mental health grievian cell i don't know whatever mm-hmm. it is called as part of my hr team mm-hmm. whereby we can spot people we can probably recognize the sos calls during uh you know bouts of depression bouts of anxiety um stress um suicidal thoughts um as i said in a creative field um i tend to meet a lot of young people mm-hmm. who are suffering and i don't think that around them is a network mm. which identifies now there's one thing that they don't identify mm. and there's an, pretty much another that people around them are not able to you know identify that there's an issue right. and it, it it is it, it is my sort of endeavor and mm. i'm talking to my bosses and the management uh, to bring about some change like you know there's a posh committee mm. there's a whistle blowing committee mm. there should be a mental health committee because the kind yep. of social pressures they now have with instagram mm. and with facebook and we are moving towards ai i was reading in cnn where i think in japan or somewhere they already have lo- robots to mm. soothe elderly people because mm. they don't have that kind of support that kind of old age support yeah. and it all makes me feel and then i watched bird box yesterday on netflix and i'm <laughs> right now i'm like we are so doomed no right. uh, my bigger question is that how do you think in the advocacy space mm-hmm. what are the things we can do to bring about um, these changes in the corporate world whereby mm-hmm. stress is such a big part of our lives work lives um and how do we make sure that we are able to be a little bit of net mm. around our um people who are suffering i think the first step is that 
I think we need to better define what is depression and what may be that you may just be low. I think uh, a lot of people struggle to identify mental health conditions is because there isn't enough awareness about what exactly constitutes a mental health illness. So even with a simple term like say depression, it's very commonly used by everyone to say that I'm just feeling so depressed today. Whereas for us as clinicians, depression is just not about that. We need those symptoms of low mood, uh, lack of pleasure, not wanting to do things, not being able to get out of bed, the tiredness, the fatigue, the low concentration, worthlessness, hopelessness to be there for at least two weeks to be able to say that you're actually depressed. And similarly, each mental health condition has certain criteria for us to be able to identify people. Um, I think the first step that a lot of corporates can take is to be able to create you know, a space where we can at least have engaging dialogues about what is mental health? What is mental health about? What constitutes a mental health illness? What could be some of the signs that most people can easily identify in their colleagues or in their near and dear ones, which could be absolute red flags to say that, you know, this could be a problem. You may not be able to intervene, but if you are able to identify, then at least you can encourage help seeking. Um, every person may not be able to have the bandwidth or, you know, uh, generate that kind of empathy or sensitivity to provide that listening ear, which we can understand. But at least if you're able to identify, you're able to push this person to say that, you know what, you need to think of getting help. And it's okay to get help. If we can have that part also created within the system, I think that's a step forward. It's important to look at maybe uh, collaborating with different, uh, say, mental health setups uh, where you could look at having helplines, you know, where people can call. It could all be anonymous. Maybe look at things uh, like having an in-house counselor. And people like us who are already working in the field are happy to support those causes. You know, for instance, we run a helpline where we get about at least 100, 150 calls every day from various parts of the country and not just India, even from outside. Why can't we collaborate with some of the corporates to say that, you know, use this number, right? We will at least be available 24-7 for your, uh, for your staff and, uh, you know, ensure that if they are struggling with something, at least that crisis intervention gets done. And if there are some people who need you know, regular continuous support, then let's create a program through which they can seek that support easily. Uh, you know, it does not conflict with their work commitments and we're able to create some sort of a structure for them. And if I think if that push comes from within the system itself, you know, uh, it encourages people to be more accepting of the fact that it's okay for me to go and seek this help. That I won't be judged. My organization is not going to question me. A lot of people are very hesitant about saying that I have a problem because they may also fear that how do I get looked at once I make that revelation. Precisely. And a lot of youngsters who've come and spoken to me in their personal capacities mm -hmm. and they expected me to listen as a friend and not as a boss. When they're walking out of the room, I mean, of course, they've spoken to me because they trust me. But I always feel that uh, they may also wonder how this will shape their careers. True. And although, I mean, I try to tell myself that the way we will not discriminate for disability, mm. we will not discriminate as far as even mental health is concerned. Right. But at the same time, I think in this whole corporate rush, mm. um, I bet they are right in sort of feeling some sort of scared. And I'm not talking about my organization. Um, I, I, I'm very sort of uh, lucky to work in a very mm. evolved organization. But mm. in general, I mean, mm. in a in a in other corporate setups, which are more straitjacketed, right. I bet um, they will be very scared to come out. That is very true. And there are cases where uh, people approach us as individuals, not through their organizations. And they do talk about the fact that it's not easy for them to bring up the fact that, you know, they may be struggling with a mental health issue. 
um there are a lot of organizations which do provide a lot of support just to be no, talk to us. me about them who are um, they and what do, what are they doing if you can't take names that's fine names, that's yeah. fine that, yeah. but tell me stuff they're doing uh i think most of the things that people are doing is one they're organizing a lot of a sensitization seminars sure. i think that's the one simplest step that most organizations are doing i think a lot of them are looking at helplines they are looking at having uh, implants counseling implants within their setups uh, some people are taking it a step further uh, you know uh, supporting the cost of oh, okay. consulting with a professional outside because having said that mm-hmm. do you think uh, medical insurance should in some way make room for this now so that provision has come in the latest mental health bill uh it's something which is at the stage of implementation okay. and um, i think it's a matter of time when insurance will enter uh, mental health as well and i think that would be a huge support for a lot of people mm. uh you know to be able to bear that cost because it treatment goes on for a long while yes, it's not course. something which just you know goes off within the next 2 3 weeks or 2 no, 3 months uh it could be anywhere between 6 to 8 months going up to a year or maybe even more and uh, if those support systems can be also created financially right uh, i think it really helps a lot of people to be able to seek out those services even more comfortably right um we'll wrap this with uh, my favorite question ever mm-hmm. what are the three things and a lot of our listeners right now i mean um, they've been waiting for a clinical psychologist to come and be part of the <laughs> podcast what are the three things you will you will advocate that any person who's first starts realizing see there's always a trigger point mm-hmm. there's always at one point you've hit rock bottom and you're wondering is it me is mm-hmm. is is it a my problem too right at that point what are the three things you would advise people do i think one don't hesitate to talk uh you need to remember that it's okay to talk secondly be more proactive in seeking help third don't let yourself shut down which means that at least maintain your basic routines because that will ensure that that mental health condition if it is emerging it's not able to fully uh you know destabilize you which makes it more difficult for recovery to happen i think those three things if you can follow them that's the best thing you can do for yourself kamna thank you for your time thank you so much Mind games mind games mind games with anandita chatterjee